What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. What I need from everybody here is help. A family begging for answers after a cross-country road trip ends in a mystery. Newly released police body camera video now raising even more questions. 22-year-old Gabrielle Gabby Petito from Blue Point, New York, missing for weeks. After setting off earlier this summer with her fiancé Brian Laundrie in a converted white 2012 Ford Transit van with Florida plates. Gabby Petito never goes outside. The pair documenting their journey on social media, including YouTube. Hello, hello, and good morning. It is really nice and sunny today. But local police found Petito's van and her fiancé Brian at the home they shared with his family in Florida. He returned there without her September 1st. I got a quick question for you, Brian. On August 12th, police in Moab City, Utah, were called to a possible disorderly conduct situation captured in this body camera video. According to the police report, they encountered the couple engaged in some sort of altercation. We have been fighting all morning, and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And then Why wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you have your OCD? He told me I needed to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. Petito, who told the police she suffers from OCD, described in the report as confused and emotional and manic. Don't text each other tonight. At the officer's suggestion, the two separated for the night. One of the officers concluding the situation was the result of a mental health crisis. No charges were filed. Yes, they had a disturbance. Yes, it was captured on uh, body camera, their interaction with law enforcement. But beyond that, you know, I don't know what it has to do with the disappearance. Northport, Florida police say they've talked to the attorney for Petito's fiancé, but Laundry is not talking, and many questions remain. Two people went on a trip, one person returned, and that person that returned isn't providing us any information. In a statement Tuesday, a lawyer for the Laundry family said they are remaining in the background at this juncture and will have no further comment. A lawyer for Gabby's parents, Richard Stafford, saying, Please, if you or your family have any decency left, Please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. All we want is for Gabby to come home. Petito's family last heard from her in late August. 
I received a text on the 30th. That was the last communication I had. Petito's parents believe she was last in the Grand Teton Yellowstone area of Wyoming. They reported her missing to Suffolk County, New York police on September 11th. According to the National Park Service, multiple law enforcement agencies are investigating Petito's disappearance. Meanwhile, the search continues for a vibrant young woman excited about living the van life. I love the van. We've been lucky so far at all the places we've stayed, but I'd say this is one of the best so far. Now, nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, Gabby's stepfather has now traveled to Wyoming to help look for her, and he asked anyone who may have been visiting the Grand Teton Yellowstone area and taking pictures or videos to go back through them and see if they see Gabby. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Crime Analyst and the Intelligence Cell. Before I dive in, I want to give the usual trigger warning. I'm continuing my detailed analysis and deconstruction of the police stop of Gabby and Brian. As always, it's not an easy listen. It's distressing and angry-making, and I know it's also triggering for some. So many of you have let me know that you've experienced similar behaviour, and it's really difficult to watch and hear. So listener discretion is advised. Okay, so where I left off in part eight, Officer Robbins drives Brian to a hotel paid for by Seekhaven, a women's shelter. Brian is seen as the victim, as he has a couple of tiny red marks on his hands and face. An assault, as Officer Pratt reads out, is a violent injury, the infliction of pain or physical injury on purpose. So these tiny red marks were caused by 110-pound Gabby. Gabby had cuts on her cheek and face from where Brian grabbed her. Officer Pratt even said Gabby was not a threat to Brian, but they put him in a hotel. And on the way to the hotel, Officer Robbins and Brian have a good old natter in the police cruiser about how both the women in their life have anxiety and how tough it is on them. You know, it's really hard for me to convey how angry-making it is listening to Officer Robbins talk about his wife being aggressive and now that she's medicated, that she's much better. And he thinks that this is a model Brian should follow, even though it was Brian's behaviour that he was originally concerned with. Remember, he initially thought Brian was intoxicated when he pulled them over. Officer Pratt was also concerned about Brian's behaviour, And now, just with Brian's chit-chat and explanation, all of that has dissipated and they're fist-bumping and laughing, again with no questioning about what the eyewitnesses reported. Meanwhile, Gabby takes the van and drives off somewhere on her own, still sobbing and trying to self-soothe. I can't help but think about how wretched, isolated, hopeless and helpless Gabby must have felt. Poor Gabby. She really felt that she needed Brian. And then there's laughing and joking Brian, who's chauffeur-driven to a cosy hotel, paid for by a woman's shelter. You literally couldn't make this up. It really is unbelievable. And when I break it down like this, I know so many of you have struggled with what's gone on here. But let me tell you that this is happening all over the country. Male abusers regularly turn the tables on women and darvo them, And many officers are overzealous in wanting to identify male victims. And they just believe the male, because they're male. And law enforcement are not trained to identify coercive control. Poor Gabby never stood a chance, did she? And I'm going to talk about Utah specifically in a future episode. 
But this is what I'm really trying to change. Women have to have a fighting chance of survival. We have to turn the tide. And I want you to be part of that, as well as holding professionals to account and not shying away from it. Yes, these are difficult conversations, but we have to have them. How else will law enforcement and others do better and be better? You know, I say this in every presentation. And remember, I was the former head of the Homicide Prevention Unit at New Scotland Yard. Across my career, I've gone into some of the most difficult and challenging situations in the wake of a horrific homicide or family wipeout. And I still say it now in all the masterclasses that I run. Expert-led training is vital. I'll share with you, I get up at least two days a week at 5am to train professionals about domestic abuse, coercive control, stalking and risk assessment and risk management. And no, I'm not a fan of the early starts. And as a new mum, I really need my sleep, but I wholeheartedly believe it's a good investment of my time. And I talk about Gabby and all the other cases I've been involved with because I know it may just save a life. It really could be any one of us, and I'm committed to changing things and keeping women safe. Now, as part of that training, my learners have to listen to episodes like this, which support the training. I train people to spot and identify risks and the red flags, as well as to identify that little voice in their head that whispers their own gender bias, their own internalised misogyny and sexism, and we all have that whisper. No matter how enlightened we are or think we are, why do we all have that whisper? Well, because it's everywhere. It's like the weather. We grew up with it. We see it online. We hear it in music. We watch it in the movies and TV shows every single day due to living in the patriarchy. The dice are loaded against women and in favour of men. And the mental gymnastics and the double standards I've seen across my career to believe men over women no matter what the circumstances, is totally mind-blowing. It's a simple fact that the power imbalance is weighted heavily in favour of men. The ever-increasing femicide and familicide rate tells us that, and yet none of this was taken into consideration in this police stop and thousands and thousands of cases that are happening right now across the world. Just think about that for a moment. Also, you may recall I mentioned that there were other police body-worn cameras on the day that Gabby and Brian were stopped by the police. The footage I was analysing was the first body-worn camera footage that was released on Thursday the 16th of September. That was from Officer Robbins's camera. Well, the second video was released on Friday the 1st of October. It was from Officer Pratt's camera. Now, it took Moab City Police Department more than 14 days to release the second video, even though many news outlets had requested it. And three bizarre and unusual things happened in that time that I want to tell you about that I believe was and is significant. The first thing is that the Moab City Police Chief, Brett Edge, took unexpected leave on the 27th of September. So just over a week after the first body camera footage was released, Chief Brett Edge went on FMLA leave. Now, FMLA stands for Family Medical Leave. As a result, there was an acting police chief in his place, and that acting police chief was Braden Palmer. Now, there was a Moab City Council meeting which acting police chief Braden Palmer attended. 
He was criticised by Happy Morgan, a lawyer who served as a grand jury attorney for eight years, for not releasing the second camera footage as requested by the media. And now I'm going to quote directly from the KUTV News article written by Daniel Woodruff, published on Saturday the 2nd of October, about this. So this is what he wrote. The next day, Happy Morgan followed up with an email according to Two News. Morgan wrote, The sooner you come clean about Pratt's body camera for the August 12th Petito laundry matter, the better. That information has been grammar requested by multiple agencies. Now, grammar, G-R-A-M-A, stands for Utah's Government Records Access Management Act, which allows the public to request records. And this is what she said. If it was withheld, you need to provide it and apologise, Morgan continued. If it doesn't exist, then the sooner you own up to that, the better. Morgan called the whole matter a cover-up and concluded, fix that error before it blows up in your face. Palmer responded to Morgan within the hour, saying he planned to release Pratt's body camera video the next day. He told Morgan, This is a high priority for me and agree with your comments on that matter. This process should have occurred more timely. The video was released the next day with Palmer publicly chalking up the delay to too many requests. Morgan was stunned to hear this explanation. I thought that that was inconsistent with the truth and inconsistent with the email, Morgan told Two News in an interview Saturday, and I'm concerned that if I hadn't pushed the matter at City Council and then again the next day, that that tape would still be withheld. In an email exchange with Palmer, Two News asked about his emails to Morgan and his apparent agreement with her that the video had been withheld. He stood by his original explanation. We did and continue to receive far more grammar requests than we ever have experienced, which is why the video was delayed, Palmer said. The acting chief also noted more staffers have since been hired and trained in public records requests. Morgan said she hoped Palmer would have publicly expressed the sentiments he shared in his email to her. Sometimes it's just best to say, we made this mistake, we shouldn't have done it, and we're going to do better in the future, said Morgan. That gives you an opportunity to start fresh and do things correctly. Two News has since made another public records request to Merb City Police, asking for copies of all communications between city officials regarding the release of police body camera video in the Petito Laundry incident. At the same time, there are more questions surrounding Moab's overall handling of public records. Two News has learned the Moab Police Office Manager Kelly Day, who is in charge of responding to public records requests, is under investigation. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. 
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A complaint from Morgan filed on the 16th of September, the day Officer Robbins's camera footage was released, accuses Day of illegally redacting police body camera footage in a separate incident in February in order to hide offensive comments made by officers. Miss Day's redactions are not consistent with Utah law and are obviously designed to cover blatantly offensive police behaviour, Morgan wrote in the complaint. When 2 News reached out to Day Friday, we received an email reply saying she's on leave. 2 News asked Palmer, the acting chief, whether Day's leave is connected to that investigation. I cannot comment on personal matters, he said. However, in an email to Morgan on September the 29th, Palmer confirmed the investigation into Day's conduct has been referred to the Utah State Bureau of Investigation as it is potentially criminal. The article ends there. Well, what did you make of that? It all sounds very concerning to me. A lack of transparency indeed, and a cover-up, as put by Happy Morgan. It's deeply troubling to me that rather than putting energy into helping, they seem to be more concerned with covering their backs. I get the sense there's much more to this. And circling back to Merb City Police Chief Brett Edge going off on sudden and unexpected family medical leave on Monday the 27th of September, take a listen to this. And developing now out of the Moab area, the police chief there is taking a leave of absence under the Family Family Medical Leave Act. We have just confirmed with the Moab mayor's office that Chief Brett Edge went on leave today. The mayor's office is also refusing to expand on the reason why he's taking this leave. Chief Edge is also at the center of two high-profile cases. The ongoing Gabby Petito investigation of the killing of the two women in Moab back in August. Let me take stock. Gabby was reported missing on the 11th of September. Five days later, Merb City Police release Officer Robbins' camera footage. Then 14 days later, after being publicly pressured and accused of a cover-up, they release the second police body-worn camera footage, Officer Pratt's. And just days after Gabby's body was found, the police chief suddenly goes off on leave and the Merb Police Office Manager, Kelly Day, who's in charge of responding to public record requests, took a leave of absence and was under investigation for redacting body-worn camera footage in another case. This all sounds very murky indeed. Also interestingly, the police chief, Brett Edge, returned to work four months later in January 2022. So after the dust had settled, some might say. However, following a meeting with the city mayor and acting city manager, There was an announcement on Tuesday the 25th of January 2022 that Brett Edge's days as Merb Police Chief were coming to an end due to concerns the community had about Merb City Police Department. And the statement said that he'll serve in a transitional role and the city will be seeking alternative leadership. Hmm, this certainly sounds like there's a lot more to it. 
I also want to make clear that stepping down is not the same as being held accountable for your decisions and actions and leadership. And on the subject of accountability, I know many of you want to know what's happened since to the responding officers who attended the domestic violence call-out. Well, I'm going to tell you about what happened to them in a future episode, because I'm not yet done with the police stop and Officer Pratt's footage. I also want to draw your attention to the clip at the top of the episode. Now, I've isolated a short extract from it. This is Chief Todd Garrison from Northport Police, Florida, speaking at a press conference whilst Gabby was missing. Yes, they had a disturbance. Yes, it was captured on uh, body camera, their interaction with law enforcement. But beyond that, you know, I don't know what it has to do with the disappearance. I had to listen to this several times. Chief Todd Garrison said he didn't understand what the domestic violence police stop had to do with Gabby going missing. Now, I don't mean to be rude, but is this bloke for real? I'd say most people who are not in law enforcement would understand why it's important. Prior history is always vital to understand when a woman goes missing. And a domestic abuse call, even more so when a woman disappears, having been on an isolated trip with the guy the police call related to, and when eyewitnesses said that that guy, her fiancé, was hitting her, and then that man, her fiancé, returns home with no explanation about where Gabby was, and in her van. Now, I don't mean to labour the point, but it's an important point, because it seems to me that I really need to do colouring by numbers, because men in key positions of power seem unable or unwilling to do some critical thinking here about women and our safety. It really does make me angry that women just don't matter enough. And I'm doing my best to stay on point and remain constructive. But for the love of God, why is this so difficult? Seriously, if this was his daughter or family member, would he say the same? It's thoughtless and ignorant at best. And how can he be so cavalier? A woman like Gabby with her baseline behaviour going missing is a big deal, particularly under these circumstances. I mean, Gabby had the perfect victimology. I hate having to say it like this, but I'm going to frame it in these terms because some need special help joining the dots. And I have to say, what about women who have complex needs or other complications and or skeletons in their closet? And what about women of colour? We know the answer to that, and I've already highlighted many cases of missing Indigenous women where no priority was given to their cases. In fact, of the 715 Indigenous people, 466 who were women who went missing in Wyoming before Gabby, only 18% of them received any media attention at all. Listen to episode 65, Missing and Murdered in Wyoming with Cara Chambers and Dr Emily Grant, from the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Task Force. It's utterly shocking. And as I say over and over again, leadership matters. Attitude, aptitude, setting the right tone and priorities, having empathy, emotional intelligence and due regard for a woman's life. It really matters. And it's not okay in 2021 for a police chief to make statements like that. Okay, with that having been said, back to Officer Pratt's footage, as there's some new information I really want you to know about. 
And I mentioned before, it's hard to hear. Like, it was hard to hear the actual audio, but it's also difficult content to listen to too. But I really believe it's important to deconstruct and share it with you. There's a longer clip here, but I want you to hear it all. So take a listen to this. How's it going? How are you doing? Good. Hey, we got a call about a male hitting a female and the two of them getting in this vehicle and taking off. So I, 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 I just, I don't want to try and defend myself by saying anything here, but I pushed her away. She, she gets really worked up, and when she does, she swings and she had her cell phone in her hand. So I was just trying to push her away. But um, but Gabrielle, talking about fiance, right? What's that? For a few page medical, we'll let us know if we need to head that way. It's nothing more personal than just stay here. It's 10 14 at this point, they're going to get there before I can get there. As far as being in traffic, it's going to be quicker to get there. In my car? Yes. This isn't my car. Oh, she is in here. Somebody got the locket? Yeah. Hey, how are you? Hi, uh, My name's Eric. I'm with Moab Police. What's your name? Gabby. Gabby, how old are you? I'm 22. What happened? What's going on? I'm just having a stress, a very stressed morning. Yeah. Is this your husband or boyfriend? My fiance. Fiance. Is he a pretty good guy? Yeah. What happened over at Moonflower? Um, well, I was just really stressed this morning trying to get a lot of work done. And I was apologizing to him. I had thrown a bunch of stuff in the back and all our bags were back then. I was just apologizing. I was like, I'm sorry that I get so stressed out because I have OCD and I was just like organizing stuff and sometimes it's about a mean attitude but I'm not trying to be mean about just straightening things up and stuff so I was just apologizing but I guess I said it in like a mean tone and he got really frustrated with me and he walked me out of the car and told me to go take a breather but I didn't want to take a breather because I wanted to get going we're out of water. So it kind of made you more upset. <laughs> yeah. It didn't help calm you, it made you more upset. Yeah. And, so then what happened? And, um, so I, I, our goal was to come here and come refill our water. Are you guys um, living out, out of the van right now? On travels? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so it was, just, it was just really... So what happened after he locked you out? Until you take a uh, breather. Well, he walked away to go take his own breather. And, but I wanted to sit in the car because there was, all my stuff was in the car. I had to yeah. run my bag. And I, had to, I was working on something at the moment in the car. And, told me to just relax for a second and I, I didn't want to relax so I got, got really mad and I mean I don't need to be mad. Yeah, that happens. Then what happened? I and, then, and then I told him to drive and get water because I'm really thirsty. Yeah? Is there something on your cheek here? Looks like, did, did you get, did you get hit in the face? Um, kind of looks like something like hit you in the face. I don't know. And then over on your arm? Um, Shoulder, right here. There's, that's new, huh? It's kind of a new mark. 
Oh, yeah, I don't know. Did I see the other side of your face? So, what happened here and here? Um, I, I'm not sure it was a... So the backpack gotcha. So there's two people that came to us and told us that they saw him hit you. There's two people saying that they saw him punch you. We're just independent witnesses by Moonflower. Well, to be honest, I definitely hit him first. Where'd you hit him? I slapped him. You, you slapped him first, and then it's on his face. You get to kind of shut up. How many times did you slap him? Couple. And then what and his reaction was to do what? He just grabbed you? Yeah. Did he did he hit you though? I mean I mean it's okay if you're saying you hit him and then I, I understand if he hit you, but we want to know the truth if he actually hit you. Because you know I guess, yeah, but I hit him first. Where did he hit you? Don't don't worry, just well, be he honest. Like, grabs my face, like I guess. Uh -huh. Um, he didn't like hit me in the face, like he didn't like punch me in the face or anything. Did he slap but, your face or what? Well like he like grabbed me like with his nail and I guess that's why it looks I definitely have a cut right here, like a peel of yeah. touching it burns. But um uh, Okay. So has he been drinking? No, we don't drink. Okay. What was up with his driving? I this officer said he hit a curb. I I I <laughs> While you're driving? Well, he was driving. While he was driving, you were hitting him. Well, not a lot, but yeah. And that was distracting him while he's driving. Are you? Not, only for like a second, but only because I saw him. I saw the like come on, and I like kind of. Like, <laughs> Did you already tell him all this? I didn't get that far into okay, it. She so was she was hyperventilating. She's a saying bit. that they don't, they don't drink, but at the point when you lit them up. You don't drink or anything. I, she I was just, yeah, him. I was yelling at him, and then when and you turned your lights on, I like got up on the arm, like there's no, there's no idiot. So she's saying was why he hit the curb. You said it was, it was Gabby. I'm sorry, I'm really bad. It was Gabby. Yeah. You okay, Gabby? Do you, yeah. Do you have um, medication for anxiety you take or anything? <laughs> no. You do you take any medication for any? I <laughs> just do yoga. And you try to meditate <laughs> stuff. But you tend to have a lot of anxiety and stress. <laughs> I have a lot of anxiety. And what's his name? Me. Is it Brian? Is he usually pretty patient with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I get, it just makes me upset. I know that he definitely gets frustrated with me a lot because I have a lot of anxiety and he definitely has anxiety too. Well, that but... could be a bad combo if you both have anxiety. <laughs> you know, I have anxiety too and you know, my girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend's really, really calm and she has a way of taking my anxiety and bringing it down. But my ex-wife, that's why she's my ex-wife, I'm just sharing, I know it's a little personal, but to help you understand, we would feed off each other's anxiety and it would spiral. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter how much I loved her. It may be a bad for your soul. Just saying. I'm not telling you what to do with your life, but if you know you have anxiety, look at the look at the situations you can get in. You know what I mean? And we're not here to be mean to you or anything. Well, you, you know, they never, there's a first time and then it usually, let's just, we'll go see what Brian's saying, but... Uh, I think you've heard everything now from you Quick question. Here. You said you were hitting him in the arm. Did you So Officer Pratt speaks with Brian first. Now, I don't know if he's been briefed, and I don't know whether he discussed anything with Officer Robbins. It doesn't look like he did, but it's not clear. Officer Pratt approaches the driver's side of the van and states straight away the call to the police related to a male's behaviour slapping the female and that they both jumped in the van and drove off. 
Brian looks very uncomfortable and he stammers his way through what he says next. And he says he doesn't want to defend himself by saying, and he tells off and appeals through the passenger window to park ranger Ryan Crowell. And he continues, but Gabby gets very worked up and swings at him. So from the get-go, Brian knows he's the one under scrutiny. He then turns and faces Officer Robbins through the passenger window as he approaches and asks him, you talk to my fiancé, right? He ignored Officer Pratt because finding out what Gabby said is his priority. And it's a red flag, as I said before. And he knows he's being seen as the problem. It is indeed Brian's behaviour that Officer Pratt should be focusing on. But instead of doing so and holding him to account, he just walks off. He walks off to Park Ranger Crowell and asks where she, Gabby, is and finds out she's in the back of the police cruiser. He then puts his sunglasses on the top of his head, opens the door and speaks with Gabby. In fairness to Officer Pratt, his tone was good. He seemed interested in finding out what happened. Gabby's clearly very upset. She takes all the blame and says that she has a mean attitude. But she doesn't mean to be mean, but Brian got frustrated and locked her out the car. And it seems to me that Officer Pratt got that Brian's behaviour didn't de-escalate things, but actually made Gabby more upset and escalated the situation. He seemed to understand that. However, one of the first things that Officer Pratt asked Gabby was, is Brian a good guy? Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Seriously, what sort of question is that? An eyewitness said he saw Brian assault her. And this was Officer Pratt's opening comment. This made me feel like there was no real care or thought to elicit the best response and build trust and confidence with Gabby. This isn't a good way to start off an interview with a victim. It's loaded from the start and it sends Gabby a message. Also, perhaps starting with, how are you doing? How are you? Or, this is going to be challenging and I can see you're upset, but I need to ask you some questions. Are you okay with that? Also, it's not good practice to appear at a scene, go straight up to the suspect, ask them a question and then just walk off before they've properly answered and then go and speak with the victim and not touch him with your colleague before you ride roughshod over their game plan, if there was a game plan, of course. One officer should stay with Gabby and get her account rather than re-traumatising her, particularly given how distressed she was. You might recall when Gabby spoke with Officer Pratt, I struggled to hear the conversation. As I explained in episode 8, after I had read out the transcript, Gabby told him about Brian grabbing her around the mouth. Well, what's clear now is that Officer Pratt could see the visible injuries on Gabby. In fact, he was the one who pointed them out, and he asked her about them. However, he kept interrupting her before she could answer. Now, when I train law enforcement, I always say you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, and when interviewing, use them in that ratio. 
Also, it's much more evident to me from reviewing this camera footage that Gabby didn't want to get Brian into trouble. She actually said at first it was the backpack that caught her, and not Brian. However, the eyewitness reports were consistent that it was Brian. And Officer Pratt told her that, reminded her that he had received witness reports. Gabby then looks him dead in the eye and seems laser-focused and said in a calm voice, to be honest, I hit him first, because he kept telling her to shut up. Officer Pratt didn't ask, well, why did you do it? Why did you hit him? Or what was he doing at the time? And we know from Christopher that Brian took her phone and keys, and now we know he told her to shut up and he wouldn't let her in the car. And she tells Officer Pratt the bit about him not allowing her in her car. And then she finally says he grabbed her around the mouth and jaw. And at that point, she starts crying even more and getting more distressed again. Officer Pratt asks whether Brian had been drinking and asks about his driving. It was Brian's behaviour they were concerned about, both Officer Robbins and Officer Pratt. And then Officer Robbins joins Officer Pratt and said that he didn't get that far talking to Gabby because she was hyperventilating. And then Officer Pratt says, are you okay, Gabby? Which is good because she's very distressed again. And I get the sense that they almost get it. But then Officer Pratt asks if Brian is patient with her. And that's not good. And then Officer Pratt goes off on one about his ex-wife. A big no-no. And this is when it really veers off course. But Gabby says Brian gets very frustrated with her a lot. And she's crying again. She's very distressed. So it's really evident to me that there are bigger things at play, but they totally miss it. Along with the fact that Gabby said it was the first time this had happened. It was not. And they failed to ask anything more. Like, if you argue, what happens? Or what do you argue about? Or what did you argue about in this situation? And what were you trying to achieve? They never got to the bottom of it, despite Christopher's clear account. It's so infuriating. I wondered about the dynamic between Officer Pratt and Officer Robbins, and I've since discovered that Officer Pratt was the more senior officer and that he was acting field training officer for Officer Robbins. Officer Robbins was hired in May 2021, and he had no previous law enforcement experience, and at the time of this call, he was on the final phase of his field training programme. So this now makes much more sense to me. I intuited he was taking his lead from Officer Pratt, and was most likely less experienced. I also believe that Officer Robbins initially understood that something wasn't right, but he did a U-turn, I believe due to Officer Pratt's assessment that Gabby was the primary aggressor. And it now also makes sense to me about why he superimposed his own sexist wifey narrative onto the situation too when he was taking Brian to the hotel. He was effectively taught to do that by Officer Pratt. That's a big no-no. Don't do that. It's sexist and unprofessional. And mentees learn the good and the bad. And in this situation, they missed blinding glimpses of the obvious. They were so head in the process, they lost sight of what was going on right in front of them. And now Gabby is dead. That's what's at stake. First time, right time, which was always my mantra at New Scotland Yard. And no, you cannot and should not separate domestic abuse call-outs from the murders.
So Officer Pratt's body-worn camera video is 52 minutes and 38 seconds long. And I'm not going to go through it frame by frame. I'm going to share the key findings with you. Also, having looked at both sets of camera footage now, all four of the officers that attended the scene were wearing body cameras that day. The two additional officers on the scene were from the National Parks Police. Park Ranger Melissa Hulls, the female officer, and the male officer, Park Ranger Ryan Kroll. However, the National Park Service have refused to release their footage. Yes, you heard that right. The National Park Service has refused to release footage from Park Ranger Hulls' camera, which was on at the time. Now, it's unknown to me where the Park Ranger Ryan Kroll's camera was on, but I have no reason to believe that it wasn't. And what I can tell you is that the conversation between Melissa Hulls and Gabby was not reflected in either of the MERB officers' body camera footage, namely because they spent most of their time with Brian. Park Ranger Melissa Hulls spent around 30 minutes with Gabby. What was captured on the Ranger's cameras? Well, Ranger Hulls in particular. Why have they refused to release it? More to come next week. Until then... Be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instinct. Here's my final two cents before the episode wraps. If you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to Crime Analyst or on the website www.crime-analyst.com. It really helps others find me and also helps with the ratings. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. Sound engineering by Jason Sheasley at Abridged Audio. Cover art and graphics by Chris Raybottom at Syndicate and music by Kilrude. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.